0: cobalt headquarters in san francisco this is humans of infosec a show about real people their work and its impact on the information security industry my name is caroline wong and i'd like to introduce today's guest my colleague and good friend david since david and i worked together many years ago on the zynga security team and i think the last time we got together we were reminiscing about like St. Patrick's Day shenanigans. Anyway, David is the manager for the security monitoring and incident response team, basically the blue team at LinkedIn. He is responsible for working with outside researchers, smashing vulnerabilities across the entire company and coordinating application security incident response events. His prior experience also includes work at Black Hat and Chevron. Similar to his professional career, his interests in search and rescue and aviation play into his passion for managing the unpredictable. David, welcome to our podcast. Oh, thanks,
1: Caroline. Uh, Glad to be here.
0: We're so excited to have you here. Um, We've had so many conversations over the years and never in this format, Um, so it's just kind of exciting to be talking to you in a different way. Right, yeah, it sure uh,
1: adds a little bit of fun, especially now that you're recording (laughs) our.
0: Yeah, yeah, so for the first time, David and Caroline on the record. (laughs) So first question, I wanna get to know you a little bit outside of who you are directly in the field, but also see how that relates to your work in the field. Can you tell me about your interests in search and rescue and in aviation and how has your passion for the unpredictable affected both your career choices and your success in this field?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, you know, the search for rescue and aviation all comes from wanting to do something different. Um, I like activities. I like sports. I like doing things that require 100% of my concentration, where I can't think about other things going on in my life, but I have to really stay focused and really try to absorb all the different pieces of information that are available to me. And so I got into aviation and, and my pilot's license back when I was in college, just for fun. It was it was a it was a challenge. And then you know eventually I moved on into search and rescue after getting out of college, and. It plays into that fact of being 100% focused, but it's also being able to use a lot of the skills and techniques that I have and being able to work through the chaos, which I find actually somewhat enjoyable. And uh, I think anybody who's worked in the security realm uh, or incident response realm can definitely agree, while it's never fun to be in the chaos, being there does have this sense of pride, of, of being able to make it through, to be able to... Uh, make sense of all the chaos, and not really knowing what's going to be next, and being able to take in all those different pieces of information, process it, and then be able to have an output. And so, you know, the search and rescue part really got me interested because I got to use some of my skills for good. I know that there's other people in the world who, you know, uh, have difficult times for whatever reason, whether they're lost or or so on, and might as well use my skills and ability that is there. And then that's transferred actually over to work too, being able to work through different pieces of information, talk with people, coordinate, communicate, and devise a plan. So it's, it's really been a fun thing and um, really have enjoyed it.
0: Very cool. You know, in our time working together, I've always known you as the guy who will do anything to get things done. Whatever it needs to be done, like you can count on David to do it. And I, and I think that's so cool. Um, to hear that you, obviously, you continue to be that way in your current work. David, can you share with our guests a little bit about how you began to get into the information security field? How did you first hear about it, and, and what was it that made you think, this is something I'd like to try out?
1: So for this one, actually, talk about a direct bridge here between aviation search and rescue and the security community. So a number of years ago, I was volunteering for a thing called the Civil Air Patrol, uh, which is an auxiliary of the Air Force, and one of the main focuses is teaching kids about aviation, and I was teaching kids about aviation there at the time, and this young guy comes in, a real nice guy who I meet by the name of Trey Ford, and he comes in and is interested in joining the Civil Air Patrol, and he's this guy who knows everything about security. At the time, he works for Zynga. And he gets me really interested in security. Tells me about some books to read that I'm interested in. Shows me some uh, different things on the web. I learn about the OAS. I learn about all these different things, and I get really excited about it. And I, I tell him that I'm interested in a career change. And he goes, "Well, funny enough, we're hiring." And uh, so then I get an interview. And lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, I meet you, Carolyn, <laughs> as uh, the hiring manager. Yeah, and so. Um, actually Trey Ford is the one who introduced me into the security world and that was a jump from this other world I had been in just IT over to security and it was really cool because again it made me it it put me into an environment where I got to use a lot of my skills and different attributes of being able to manage that chaos and so I sat down with you I sat down with Trey I, I sat down with a lot of cool people in the industry now actually um, who taught me everything they know about security. And I've learned actually on the job. And it was really that first time meeting you and Trey and sitting down with a whole bunch of other great people. I mean, I could name them, you know, Nils Pullman, Rich Tiener, so on, right? All these different people who um, uh, have been in the industry. i uh, got to sit down with them and learn security for, from them. And that was really my path in uh, was just that initial meet and greet with this guy, through aviation and search and rescue.
0: I love it. You know, I was thinking about this and I was trying to remember, I was pretty sure that Trey did introduce you. Um, And whereas I personally think of you, David, as like the guy who gets things done, Mm -hmm. I think of Trey as one of the most generous individuals that I know of in the field, uh, which is to say that I've always known him to be very, open to working with others and interested in sharing what he knows with others so that's a great reminder to me I'll have to get Trey on this podcast one of these days
1: oh yeah he was uh he was actually a great inspiration for me I was at a time where I was trying to look for a new career and this was a really cool thing and he showed me some of the stuff he did I watched his black hat talk I watched some other black hat talks and got super interested in it so his inspiration actually uh got me into this, and uh, I have him to thank for sort of the initial uh, spark uh, get, getting into this industry.
0: Very cool. And for the sake of our listeners, can you tell us what were you doing before that? What what kind of work were you doing before you got interested in information security?
1: Sure. Um, well, I started out, uh, actually, my degree is in marketing uh, business with a specialty in marketing And I got out of college and went and worked in program management uh, for IT. And I was doing program management and doing some support of some CRM systems and so on. And it was interesting work, but it really didn't feel like I had an impact. It really didn't make me feel like I was changing the world, that I was doing something to make a difference. And I know that sounds cheesy. I know that a lot of us uh, in the security world are always trying to make a difference, but I felt that going into security was making that difference, um, that I could impact uh, people's lives. I could um, make a difference in also the future of companies and so on. Whereas, uh, you know, project management for uh, an IT project, uh, you don't always see the direct value or the direct um, uh, results uh, of the work that you put in.
0: Yeah, yeah, very cool. So, David, walk me through the steps since our time working at Zynga Together that led you to your current role at LinkedIn.
1: All right. So... You know, since uh, I left you at Zynga, unfortunately, that wasn't a, my choice. That was one of those mandatory layoffs or uh, promoted to customers, I like to joke. Um, so I spent a couple months on the couch playing video games. I think I played Call of Duty and a couple others for quite some time uh, before I actually got the opportunity to go work for Blockhead. And I got the opportunity to go work with the team that put together the Black Hat Conference. that was a really cool experience as well. I got to meet a lot of great individuals, a lot of the review board members and so on. It was a great opportunity and great sort of reemergence back into the security community after spending three months on the couch. So that was actually a really great opportunity. During that time, I met Corey Scott and I had this opportunity here at LinkedIn. I actually started off here as a technical program manager. I was one of the few first hires of the house security team, which is now much, much bigger. And I basically worked from the technical program manager up over the years. I was able to work on some really cool programs like our private or our invite-only bug bounty program. I was able to work with researchers in the community. I was able to smash vulnerabilities and bugs all the way here at the company. And then eventually, about a year or so ago, was promoted over to the manager of our security incident and uh, incident response and monitoring
0: team. Very cool. You know, I want to talk with you a little bit more about smashing vulnerabilities and bugs because I think that some of our listeners may or may not recognize what kind of an effort that can take depending on a lot of different factors, including things like personal relationships between the security team and the various development teams. Can you give us a little bit more insight into the types of things you did to get those vulnerabilities fixed?
1: Yeah, um, you know, as you mentioned earlier, uh, I, I take a personal ownership once something gets assigned to me to get it closed. Um, and And that goes for bugs as well. And, you know, as part of the security team, you're not always necessarily the one who's going to fix the bug. You're responsible to go coordinate and work with others to get those fixed. And that means motivating people to do something that you want them to do and try to motivate them to believe it is their belief and their wanting or their willingness to do this. And so really, you have to develop those relationships. And and one of the core values here. And one of the tenants here in LinkedIn is relationships matter, which is really cool because that's something I already do, but it's it's great to see that at the company because developing the relationships ahead of time, having those connections and throughout the different parts of the company. So you can sit down at the desk with the person and say, Hey, look, here's the issue. Here's why it's important. Here's the impact, you know, potentially to our members or uh, so on or to the business that really matters. And being able to have that dialogue is great. Now, unfortunately that conversation doesn't always go as planned and not everyone is ready to smile at you and joke beside you as you go through it. You know, people always ask me, Hey, when is this due? And my answer is always yesterday with a chuckle at the end, right? Because that's always when it's due was yesterday. So, you know, it it really comes down to tactics and how to work with people, how to develop those relationships and how to have a sense of humor during the middle of it. And I, I know it seems um, you know, kind of weird that you have to joke during some of these incidents, but it, it really takes that sometimes to take the edge off to make people feel more comfortable, and that's one thing that I've really prided myself on, um, and I think that's just a little little bit of my silly nature in general. So I don't have to you know, push on that necessarily. But I think that definitely helps with my communication style here. Now, the other part of that is making sure that it's done. And one of the things that my colleagues hate about me is I'm the person who will literally sit down at your desk and wait for you to finish what needs to be done and sit there and people have said, no, no, you can, you can go away. I'll call you when it's finished no, no, I have my laptop. I have power. I, I'll sit here until it's finished. Don't you worry. And uh, some people really don't like me sitting at their desk for a while to make sure things are done. But you know, it, it really comes down to uh, developing those relationships and making sure you know, no matter hell or high water comes that it gets done, it gets taken care of. That's the number one goal is to protect the members and to protect the company. Members first.
0: Fantastic. I think that you have held throughout your career a number of roles which for many people can be quite emotionally challenging. Um, To be a manager of an incident response team, to be the individual who's responsible for getting security vulnerabilities and bugs actually fixed, these are things that for certain types of people can really get a person down. Um, but I like that you're sharing with our listeners your approach You know, using not only kind of your, I'm gonna do whatever it takes, but also your humor and also your humanness to be able to connect with people, build relationships, um, and get these things done.
1: Yeah, and I think the other part of that too is, is, you know, realizing as you mentioned, we're all human at the end of the day, and and you have to sympathize with that. You have to be able to to talk to the other individual as a human and not as just someone who needs to do the task that you need them to do. Connect with them understand that they have other priorities, understand that their boss is holding their feet to the fire in other projects. And I've done stuff even even as of recently, which is like, hey, you know, I really need you to work on this. What can I do to help you move this forward? And I ask them that question. Or, hey, do I need to call your boss and let them know that you are working on a project for me and this is super important? And actually call up and have those conversations because you're clearing the runway as a manager of an incident response team or of running an incident your job necessarily isn't to solve the exact problem your job is to coordinate communicate and move barriers move them out of the way so the other people can be successful and that's what you're there to do and i think that's really key in developing those relationships
0: yeah i think that's neat i particularly want to comment on something you just shared with us which is you know talking about like hey Working with somebody and offering to call their boss in order to explain the importance of what you're trying to accomplish. Um, I think there's a really important nuance here because another, maybe less mature or less enlightened individual, might take an approach of threatening to say, Hey, I'm going to call your boss and like tell on you. You know, but that is really very different from what I'm hearing from you, which is look if it's if it's if you feel like it's not really up to you what your priorities are let me get on the phone with the person who's helping you to determine what those priorities are so that i can actually do that and make your life easier it's not a threat it's it's a it's a help yep exactly very cool so you've given us a little bit of insight into some of the things that you do every day in your job. Can you kind of like walk me through like what does a Monday look like for David? Uh, well, I'll tell you. To start off, I hate Mondays. Uh, I'm not just a Garfield
1: here, um, but Mondays are always a day where it's a lot of catch up from the weekend, trying to trying to get going. But you know, the the general day here, um, it, there's a lot of different things going on. Um, there could be you know, as we talked about earlier, relationship building. Now, relationship building, in my mind, goes beyond just of you know having a cup of coffee with someone or so on. Um, I believe you know pranks are always fun. Uh, they add a sense of humor. Uh, recently, I had a colleague who was gone on vacation. We had to decorate his desk accordingly. Uh, I have had some more creative pranks over the years that uh, we can talk about another time, including a uh, sign for a voice activated vending machine that wasn't actually voice
0: activated. <laughs> oh my uh, gosh! Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, that, that, Please tell me you installed a webcam. No, I really wish I had. I, I get that all the time.
1: Um, what I did, just to, a little bit of background here, is uh, they put these uh, great vending machines in a while ago, with you could get like a keyboard or a mouse or headphones, so on. So you didn't have to go to uh, and place an orders. And so. They just appeared one morning. I get here earlier in the morning, usually. I see these vending machines randomly showed up over the weekend, and they're stocked, and they're turned on. And I thought, man, I really have to do something with this. So, of course, I downloaded the company logo, the font, and everything. And now the, the real key to seal the deal is lamination. So you got to go find the culinary department, get them to let you borrow the laminator, laminate it, put it on the vending machine, and just sit back and relax. And uh, that stayed up there for about a solid uh, month and a half before someone finally <laughs> realized it was
0: a prank. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs>
1: and
0: and That's actually,
1: so yeah, it, and so those things like that, um, uh, while maybe, uh, debatable that it's not in my job description that I should be doing these things, um, it does add a sense of camaraderie. It does add a sense of, um, you know, building that relationship. Um, And it it also gives me fun stories to tell, Um, hopefully not in HR, but, you know, stuff like that is pretty fun. I enjoy doing it. And uh, I I think it it does wonders for the workplace, especially when you're in a team that's high stress. And so moving back to your long ago question of you know, what does it look like? So stuff like that is, is, I believe, key. Developing those relationships is key. Now, of course, there's always the other fun stuff as part of being an incident response team and security monitoring team is that you're going through, you're looking at alerts throughout the entire organization. You're deciding, hey, do we keep this alert? Do we need to you know make it uh, a better signal to noise ratio? Do we need to do something different here? Um, then, of course, responding to these different alerts you know and and those can be a, a quick spin up of a of a, you know five ten minutes to you know multiple hours. It really depends on what 's going on now, as a manager, you know we're also working with uh individuals and in other teams we 're coordinating with other other groups to try to get things done because we need to make sure that we do have the resources that we need that we are fixing problems that we know about. Um, as soon as possible to make sure that when it does become an incident, when we do have an issue going on, that we do have the proper monitoring and logging and so on in place. So there's ongoing efforts always to work with those teams to improve those and also to make sure that we are maintaining those relationships. I know what's going on in the business. They know what we're up to. Um, They also come to us for advice. We also work with these teams on, you know, hey, how do we do this? What's going on here? So there's a number of different pieces uh, to this job. Um, And the one thing that I absolutely love about this job is the variation day-to-day, right? So every day I show up, I don't know what's going to be on my plate. And that's great. It's fun. It's it's, uh, very exciting.
0: Cool. You know, I have a follow-up question for you, which is, as the manager of a team, did you inherit your team or did you grow your team? And if you're growing your team, do you find that it can be hard to find great candidates for your team? Or maybe as, you know, maybe you're like, well, I work for LinkedIn. Like everyone wants to work here. It's not a problem. What's, (laughs) what's that like managing people?
1: Sure. So um, I was lucky enough to inherit just an amazing team right out of the gate. Um, uh, The team existed and I got this great team with a wide variety of skill sets. And uh, I also joked that the largest extrovert of the group got the biggest introverts uh, in the entire company, uh, which is kind of funny. Um, but I've actually had to do some hiring. And the the difficult part, I think, is finding people with a broad set of skills and the problem-solving skill set. You know there's a lot of people who are very good at one or two things it's really hard to find someone who is able to do multiple things and do them all very very well and that's the one thing that's a challenge i think for blue teams or incident response teams is you really need a diverse skill set and you also need a very inquisitive mind or uh, you might call it an investigative mind of wanting to dig deeper, wanting to understand the root cause, wanting to understand how to do something better. And so I think hiring in those areas are always difficult just because that skill set of all those different pieces and be able to effectively communicate on top of that is a relatively large ask. So I think that is um, a difficult part about this particular role.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I guess as a follow up, because I feel like the talent shortage and hiring in the field is such a hot topic, do you have any tips for hiring managers? For example, when they're reviewing candidates or seeking candidates for an open position, and if they're interested in somebody who's got sort of that generalist, can figure things out. You know, skill set. Do you have any tips for our listeners who may also be hiring hiring managers that that you've found to be effective in your role? Sure. You know, um,
1: I think what's really important here is uh, capability and being able to quickly learn to problem solve and so on. And actually. Corey Scott, uh, my boss, did a really great, he's the CISO of LinkedIn, the Chief Information Security article, did a really interesting article a while ago, or was interviewed for a really interesting article about hiring different types of people and their different skill sets and their different backgrounds. And one of the things that he calls out is the strengths of these different people and how you have to have a diverse workforce In the sense of different backgrounds and different skill sets and and how that plays in that if you have all of one skill set or you have all of one area you will find yourself uh in problematic times and so he talks about how he put together this team which of course includes me in there and i giggle every time i read it because i can see where i'm mentioned in there And I think most of us who know the team also know where we're mentioned. Um, So for me, it's about the fit of the person and capabilities of that problem solving and learning. And so I think that being able to have that connection with the people and to work through that is really key. Now, the other problem with that, though, is making sure that your team or you have the time to grow that person, because that is an investment both ways. And so you know, I was very lucky that you and others, including Trey, were able to put the investment and time into me, and so I could grow my skill set, and I could become a security professional. So I think that, that's a two-way street here, and when we hire those types of people, we have to make sure that we carve out the time to do that properly and not just hope that they'll land on their feet
0: yeah well, I will say, David, I am so proud to have been someone who knew you way back when you know, um, and the success that you've achieved in your career is just I'm so happy to see it um, as our final question for today, I actually so the the presentation and the article. That you're referring to, that Corey built and presented at last last year's RSA. I watched that presentation, and I'd like to actually guess which persona is you, um, <laughs> and then and then I want you to tell me if if it's right. So if I recall, and it's it's been several months since I've watched this, so you'll have to forgive me if I don't remember it. But I feel like there's one persona that's like a prankster or a trickster. Is that the one that you identify with? Yeah, I think that's one of them. Uh, I think he also called out um, someone who had
1: the um, the emergency services background in there as well. Nice. Uh, there's a couple of us prick, uh, uh, tricksters and uh, pranksters around the group. Um, I've been known to do a handful, uh, but it, it, there's multiple ways here. Uh, there's multiple of us, unfortunately, um, and hence, Glitter is now banned at the office.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> well, I will... Uh, just close by saying, uh, I have a three year old daughter and let's just say there's a lot of glitter in my house
1: um, oh, i'm so sorry for you
0: <laughs> David, thank you so so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it
1: Thank you, Caroline. I really appreciate it it 's uh, great to connect with you again and uh, thank you for inviting me to do this podcast.
0: My pleasure. Humans of InfoSec is brought to you by Cobalt, a pen testing as a service company. If you'd like to learn more about COBOL, we are currently offering DEF CON badges for demos. Demo our PTAS platform, give us your input, and we'll grab your DEF CON 2019 pass for you. You can find the link in the description for this podcast. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Humans of InfoSec. Thanks for listening.